Hi guys, welcome back to Comp Podcast for Kids from Symposium. I'm Ash Orlack. I'm Arjun Chadder. And I'm Bill Tom Pinter. And today we're going to do a quick review of the Premier League fixtures and preview some of the League Cup fixtures that are happening in midweek. Um, we're just going to review the Premier League picture, fixtures from uh, last weekend. Um, Boti, I think uh, maybe as well just jump straight into it. Um, what were the games that stood out to you? I think that for me there were two clear games this weekend that were just absolutely phenomenal to watch as a neutral. One of them you'll be extremely happy about. It was, of course, Crystal Palace nil, Liverpool 7. And really, this was a game where we saw the champions playing in absolute top form. It was a real delight to watch. The other game, for me, was a game I anticipated to have many goals, um, but it outdid even my expectations. And that was Manchester United 6, Leeds 2. Of course, a rivalry that we haven't seen in the Premier League for a very long time. And it was a fantastic return for me. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Um, I, I we might as well just talk about Liverpool then to start off. Um, Liverpool went away to Selhurst Park, managed to beat Crystal Palace seven nil. As both he said, it's their biggest away win in the league, I think, since they beat Crystal Palace nine nil about uh, about uh, thirty years ago. Uh, also away from Anfield, and um, very good display from from Liverpool. Palace actually had some chances in the first half, but Liverpool seemed to score with every single attack. I think they had eight shots on target and seven goals or something like that, and 14 attempts in total. Like massively clinical compared to the Spurs game where they had a lot of shots on goal, but it, all of them were at Larice pretty much. Um, and it just seemed that Palace just weren't ready for the intensity. Um, and yeah, excellent performances. A bit of a drama with Sadio Mane being taken off. Yeah, about 59th minute, but um, I think Klopp can sort that in terms of dressing room dynamics. Arjun, what do you think this means for the title race? I mean, this is Liverpool marking, you know, a statement of intent by Liverpool. I mean, I don't think Palace played that badly, having from what I heard and what I saw in the highlights. They they weren't exactly outplayed, but they were just sort of depressing and didn't really com- um, like commit many chances, didn't really create many chances. Liverpool were just supremely clinical. Firmino getting goals, which is nice to see for him because, you know, he's struggled somewhat this season to sort of get among the goals. And as, you know, you could argue he, he has been sort of surpassed by Diego, Diego Hotter slightly. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, it's just a nice statement of intent for Liverpool. It sort of cancels out both the you... 7-2 defeat yeah. by Liverpool as well in terms of the goal difference. Yes, yes. Now Liverpool do have a nice lead over Spurs in the goal difference as, as well as, I think, a four-point lead at the top of the table as Spurs have slid down. But we'll come back to Spurs. Booty, what do you think this means given that Liverpool have had injury issues and yet they're still sitting pretty at the top of the table and players are now coming back from injury? Um, obviously, Van Dijk and Gomez are out for the foreseeable future, but people like Jota will be back in the next in next uh, three or four weeks. Uh, Thiago should be back after Christmas. Um what does it say about Liverpool that they've come through this? And what does it say about for the rest of the league that Liverpool aren't even at proper full strength? I love how you've set up that question. I absolutely just have to praise Liverpool here because that's what you want to hear. Um, well, I, I'm going to give a half and half answer here is that, yes, Liverpool have had some massive injuries. And I, I noted that in some of the earlier pods, but I've kind of been losing a, a little bit of sympathy. Uh, I have no for I mean, the obvious example is this weekend, um, if Salah wasn't my captain on Fancy Premier League, um, I would have been annoyed about this. But why Why is Klopp bringing on, on Salah when they're 4-0 up about 60 minutes into the game? I mean, that just makes no sense. You should rest your star player there. But, yeah, um, and also yeah. midweek, no substitutions midweek against Spurs. Yeah. Make yeah. Sense. At least, you know, at least bring them on with, say, 15 minutes to go rather than not making them at all. 
<laughs> no, no, I think I think his point is more about. Um, well, I think we can get into this, but I mean, he he, he doesn't do himself any favors by doing those moves, obviously, for his kind of arguments about fixture congestion. But I think a lot of his points do come come down to kind of player welfare and the fact that we have seen a dramatic uptake in injuries across the league this season for whatever reason. Um, Gary Neville said something interesting that you know the games aren't actually coming any more quickly than they normally would. So he's quite puzzled as to why injuries are happening. Um, and, you know, some people are saying, well, because the players haven't had a proper off-season um, to, to rest and to have a proper pre-season because they only had about five weeks or four weeks from the end of last season to the beginning of this one. Um, but, but you know, whatever the reason, I think Klopp has fair enough points about, about fixture congestion. Um, and, and you'll see it when the FA Cup kind of gets underway properly and Liverpool will play, will play like a, a youthful eleven as they always do in the early rounds. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's enough on, on Liverpool. Um, well, both... actually, yeah, I was going to give you the nice the nice side of my answer now that, yeah, that you, you'll like to hear is that um, for me, what what this has showed the last few weeks, the Tottenham game, the uh, the Crystal Palace fixture. I think it's it's now that time where Liverpool is at the top, and I think they'll stay there until game week thirty eight plus, and uh, they'll come away with another Premier League. Um, yeah, they're, they're starting to show that dominance of last season. I, I'm struggling to see which which other team in the Premier League is the clear challenger at the moment because the ones I thought previously have kind of tailed off or they've had small little uh, they've had little blips in their in their form. Of course, we'll get on to Chelsea and uh, how they're doing. Arjun, you must be happy with this week's performance, but uh, there's still a lot to talk about there. And of course, yeah. we ran a poll on our Instagram: Is Chelsea a title contender? Now, uh, the result was no. Uh, overwhelmingly <laughs> but um you know i i think that's a topic we should we should touch on later on yeah i mean that's a, uh, that's a fair enough point i mean i was going to say that um i told talking about title challenges the, the the kind of team that if they win their game in hand or find themselves as liverpool's closest title challenger is their old rival manchester united who both you mentioned briefly did beat leeds 6-2 very impressively at old trafford this weekend um despite press criticism they've managed to um seem to have just walked, you know, silently gone up the table without really being noticed, despite all the criticism of Ole earlier in the season. Um, Boti, you mentioned this game. What do you think of it before I, I bring in Arjun to talk more broadly about about United's spot in the league this season? Well, I mean, I was shocked seeing McTominay score two in the opening, in the opening three minutes. I think anybody who, was, uh, who knows anything about football was shocked. And the quality of the goals, I mean, it, it was a... I think I said as well to one of my friends, it was like watching a prime prime Iniesta running up and down the field, going through everyone. It was it was really interesting to watch. Uh, Leeds putting up a fight, of course, nabbing one or two here and there. And uh, Dallas, absolutely phenomenal strike on the other side, just to make the scoreline a little bit uh, friendlier for Leeds. Bruno Fernandes, you know, doing what Bruno does, scoring penalties and just being an absolute menace at the front. I love him. <laughs> um, sadly, Lawrence isn't here to tell us about how many times he gives the ball away. <laughs> but I, I think I think uh, we can let him off on this one. Yeah. Arjun, what do you think this means for Man United more broadly? As I said, they've received a lot of criticism, yet find themselves in a very, very nice position in third in the league and a possibility to, to go second and two points clear of, of Leicester and only... And only uh, two behind Liverpool should they win their game in hand whenever that's played. Yeah, uh, United I mean, seem to have surprised surprised people in the last month or so. Yeah, they're, they're certainly in the league. They've certainly done well. 
um, scoring goals for fun. They take good form. They're beating opponents that they should beat, but with ease, uh, which is nice to see for that from their point of view. Obviously, their season has sort of been hindered by the Champions League exit. I just want to raise the points about this game in hand, this sort of mytholog- mythological game in hand. Like we don't know, it's not. It's not like it's going to be played anytime soon. We don't know when it will be played. Um, I don't think. It, it, I don't think it can be played in January. Um, it's it's complicated by the fact that they've dropped into the Europa League, um, and I think it might be played at sort of March, start of March, and obviously by that point the sort of table could look completely different. United could be, you know, well clear in second place, or they could be falling behind a bit. I mean, we don't, we can't really say that they'll go into second or, you know sort of cement their place in the top four if they win it because you know it'll be just be quite a long time away um mm. no but, but i mean certainly where they are right now is in a good position they're, they're they are in third um they have played a game less and i think no matter what happens um i think next week is the, the crucial one because they go away to leicester if they win they you know go further clear in second place if they lose they have the possibility to drop out the top four so in terms of what but where, where they are right now in the league it's certainly encouraging for them and to, to beat Leeds 6-2 is a good, great result because, you know, Leeds, as we know, are a dangerous team, but they do concede a lot. And they are actually closer to the relegation zone or sort of 18th place than you would you would perhaps expect them to be mm-hmm. at this stage. Um, only seven points above it, I think. Um, which, you know, I don't think it's too much of a cause for concern. Um, but they certainly have the possibility to sort of drop into a bit of danger in the next couple of game weeks. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, I was thinking exactly that, Arjun. Uh, I, I was looking at the table and just slowly Leeds have been creeping down and it's come as a surprise, particularly as as we've seen some really strong performances from them this season. And yet when you look at their points tally, because because of games like uh, this where they, they seem to nab a few goals or give us an interesting game, they're, they're still not bringing anything away. And um, it's concerning for me because I, I, I certainly want to see Leeds stick around in the Premier League. Yeah, for the sake of their fans as well, because this would have been a great game with the atmosphere. It'd be a shame if yeah. it was going down. Yeah, uh, the first season back after like eighteen years or something, seventeen years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was a nice roses derby. And the roses derby always used to traditionally have like a bit of a uh, bit of drama, but um, as I said, I just want this. I want to. Uh, I want to be able to have the Ellen Road reverse fixture with fans. I think that would be a quality game with fans. Boaty's been to Leeds, I think, before Ellen Road, I think, and mm-hmm. he's always spoken about kind of fan quality there. Put a quick word on the Leeds fans before we move on to another game. What's it like to actually go to Ellen Road and what do you think the reverse fixture will be like there should fans be allowed in? <laughs> well, um, I uh, I don't want to take a position on should fans fans be allowed in. I, I hope they they will be allowed in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a government health minister, thank God, because you guys would hate me then. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Le- Leeds is is a it's a city of football. It's phenomenal. You don't even have to be in the stadium. In fact, I was I was in Leeds um, in sep in September. I think it was one of the first game weeks um, when it was the Fulham match. Yeah, uh, the four three that was when Leeds won four three, and the, yeah. I mean the atmosphere that just runs across the whole city is electric. You can you can be sat at home, you can be walking around, and every time Leeds score. You will you will feel a slight tremble in the ground, uh, and a, a scream let out from all the fans. It's it's yeah. truly it, it's incredible. It's unique, and um, well, when you're in Elland Road, it's just the same. And I was lucky enough to be a, a, a in the away end with Ipswich, as I I, uh, I had a friend, <laughs> I had a, a family re- a friend who played who played for Ipswich, Martin Fuller, 
so we were there to support him and uh yeah well Leeds fans are Leeds fans what can I say yeah and, and, and on, another, on another topic of another ground that Boaty has gone to uh, this time with me um we've been to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last year we saw them um lose against Norwich I think in the League Cup I think it was wasn't it Norwich yeah um <laughs> On penalties, which is a bit of, or FA Cup, one of them. It was quite a peak game, but um, quite jokes at the same time, obviously. Um, and that leads us nicely onto the Spurs 2 0 loss to Leicester. So Spurs coming off their last minute defeat at Anfield to Liverpool um, and whatever psychological issues that gave them. Um, what do you think this says about kind of, a, well, but before we ask about more broadly, Boti, what did you make of the game itself just in terms of? Um, Spurs having the inability to defend against quite an expansive Leicester team that actually, unlike how they normally play, they weren't playing off the break, they were dominating possession, um, and Madison had a goal unfairly ruled for offside, I think, anyway, with a bit of a VAR fast on the, on the armpit. But but even yeah. notwithstanding that, they managed to win win 2-0 quite comfortably, I'd say. Spurs, team overly reliant on Son and, uh, Son and Kane, in my view. Boti, what did you make of uh, Leicester's performance here? Yeah, I, I want to start with Tottenham just looking absolutely demoralised, and that might be a result of the the defeat to Liverpool midweek. But um, what, what, what made the big difference for Leicester was Ndidi's presence. Um, he, he looked absolutely phenomenal. He was really locking down um, the whole, the around-the-box area. And um, th- that's why Leicester could dominate. It, it was a simple game for them. Madison is, is on form at the moment and Vardy just being an absolute pest as usual. Um, you know, so for me, it was Ndidi that did the majority of the work at the back. Um, all credit to the to the centre backs, etc. And then Vardy, who produced the end result as he always does, um, just just scrapping until until he manages to work one in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think um, yeah, he 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 performed well as usual. Um, Archie, kind of more broadly, what does this say about Spurs in their position this season? So obviously, it wasn't ideal for them to now have two losses on the bounce after being. Top of the league, I think they're they're now down to um, sixth in the space of one game, in the space of like one week, um, which is quite brutal. Um, yeah. You know, what does it say about their title challenge if one ever existed? I mean, it shows that I think perhaps the media and, and you know us as sort of you know viewers and fans of the game were perhaps a bit um, quick to judge and to to label Spurs as title contenders. It shows that the, the league. The way the league is, I think Liverpool sort of stay, you know, at the top for you know a considerable amount of the league, if not if not the rest of the rest of the, of the league. I think the the league will sort of, the league will sort of continually switch between you know several teams in terms of like second, third, and fourth. Spurs, you know, in midweek had a chance to go above Liverpool into top if they'd beaten them at Anfield. Now they find themselves in sixth after two consecutive consecutive losses. Chelsea, you know, their previous two games against Everton and West Ham could have gone top with a win, you know, didn't. Um, and now found, find themselves in a fifth after a good win against West Ham. And even Chelsea, if, if they beat Arsenal, could perhaps go into second place or, or, at least, or, or at the worst, third place. So it shows that top four, will, or at least the rest of the top four other than the top spot, will just continue, continually sort of switch positions. Um, for I, I feel like the rest of the, league, the, rest of the um, 38 games, to be honest, 24 games rather. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's quite a dynamic top four race. I think... With the likes of Everton and Southampton sort of pushing, um, pushing their competitors more sort of fiercely than ever before, um, it'll be interesting. You know, City obviously have a game in hand that will be played at some point. They find themselves languishing in eighth right now, um, mm. and I think you know, I, I think I feel like Spurs will definitely you know be in and around there at the end of the season. But for now, 
to have lost these two games, just as Chelsea did, it is quite disappointing for them. Yeah, I mean, looking at it from Spurs' perspective, I think they'll be massively disappointed if they can't secure um, a top four spot at the end of this season after the start they've had, let alone mount a title challenge. And I think, you know, it's going to be a challenge. You know, I think you know, Marino needs to stay calm and stay focused the whole season. I don't know if he can do that yet. Yeah, this um, is a bit of a blip for them. They've had one win in the last yeah. five in the league, so they yeah. are struggling a little so, bit. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, you know, it... Liverpool squandered chances to take a lead ahead of Spurs when they drew with Fulham, um, but um, they didn't make the mistake in the two games that followed. And I think that that shows the difference between Liverpool and Spurs, perhaps. Boti, quick word on Spurs. I mean, what do you make of them? Do you think it's likely that Mourinho will lose his head and Spurs go on a tailspin, or do you think that, um, or do you think that, um, um, you know, they'll be able to kind of weather this storm and, and move on and mount a proper top four consolidation. Well, I, I remember on, on the one-on-one podcast I did with uh, Lawrence just over a week ago, we, we discussed that, you know, Tottenham had, have looked solid so far, but they haven't had their real challenge. And um, this was going to be the week where we found out if this was a Tottenham that was capable of winning a league or if this was a Tottenham that were putting on the pressure. And at the moment, it seems that this is a Tottenham that's only putting on the pressure because they, they, need, they, need, to win the, they need to win these big games. Um, they absolutely had to bring a, away at least one point against Leicester and probably at least one against Liverpool as well. More, in fact, more. more. If you want to win it, you've, you've, got, to beat Le- you've got to beat Leicester, draw to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I, 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 look, uh, Mourinho's a funny character. Is he going to lose his head? Well, he's, he's certainly going to lose his head in front of some, uh, some interviewers. But, you know, I think they'll re- regroup. They, they have a couple more tough fixtures ahead. I'm going to hold my horses to, uh, to draw just a final conclusion on whether I think that this is going to be Tottenham for the rest of the season or whether this has just been an unfortunate week for them. Mm. No, I think I think that's a fair enough fair enough position to hold. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to have a look. And then moving on to perhaps one of the other title challenges, Arjun, take us through the Chelsea game. So they managed to beat West Ham three nil um, at home. Um, yeah. Good result considering a blip that they've had as well. Similar. It to was Spurs. a good result. It was a very flattering result because it was not a three nil game at all. It was only one nil till the 79th minute, and we were West Ham were certainly piling on the pressure on Chelsea for the majority of the second half. Um, we sort of got two goals in two minutes by Tammy Abraham and was like out of the blue, didn't really create much at all in the second half. I seem to say this a lot for Chelsea, is that we, we, we don't play, we're not playing excellently, but we're coming away with results most of the time, which I think is quite a good encouraging sign at least, that we can sort of, you know, pull results out of the bag. But yeah, as you said, more broadly, like an important result given our two sort of, um, not shock defeats, but it's disappointing defeats to West, to Everton and, and Wolves. Um, but you know, as I said before, we we could go um, third. We can go third in the in the table, albeit briefly, mm. win against Arsenal, uh, potentially second if Leicester Man United on on Saturday is a draw. Mm. Um, so you know, let's see what happens. But I think it's important to get back on track. Um, it was also disappointing midweek to well before the game to learn that Reece James might be out for about two or three games because of a ankle operation, I think, or, or ankle issue. Um, yeah. Luckily, it was one of the things where we were waiting on to find out whether it would require surgery and he'd be out for a couple of months. Luckily, it seems that like he's only, only out for a week or so, which is encouraging. Um, but to be honest, that position right back is, you know, if we knew, if we lost James, we'd have a more than capable deputy in, in Aspilicueta, so it wouldn't, wouldn't be too bad. 
Um, but it just led me to think more broadly about like who Chelsea's most important player is right now. And, you know, I have to say it's, it's probably, it's, it's definitely someone in the defence who would probably be Edouard Mendy or Thiago Silva just because of the sort of confidence and serenity mm. they brought to our defence. Thiago mm. Silva looks like he's one of the signings of the season for free. He's completely yeah. brought up our defence. He's, you know, given, given it leadership and experience that was very much needed. And more, most importantly, he's, he's making Zuma play really well as well. He seems to be improving alongside him. Um, so that's good to see. But, I mean, yeah, good result for Chelsea. Um, in terms of our ne- next opponent, I mean, Arsenal... <laughs> Another loss for them against Everton. That was I, I don't know whether you call that a shock loss because the way because they've been playing so badly, I almost expected Arsenal to sort of turn up when they needed to against Everton. But it just seems to be that the story of their season that they're just losing these sort of games and find themselves stuck in fifteenth place. Mm-hmm. No, I think I agree. I mean, Boti, what come in on Arsenal um, again? Another loss as Arjun just highlighted there quite nicely. Um, they seem to be on a tailspin. Do you think it's time to get rid of Arteta? Number one. And number two, kind of, what is the cause of all this? Because it's you wouldn't expect this at all. Even even the worst um, kind of Spurs fans wouldn't have wouldn't have predicted this for Arsenal at the beginning of the season. What's the cause, and should Arteta go? Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> if if you told me that what is it now 14, 14 games into the league, Arsenal would would have so so few points they'd be down in fifteen. So I wouldn't have believed you and. Uh, it's quite bamboozling, and it's getting to the point where I kind of feel I just feel sorry for them watching Arsenal fan TV every weekend. Um, you know, there's there's going to be some real anger management problems in North London, more than normal, I should say. Um, I, I I don't know if it's Arteta that's the problem. I think there's there's a whole there's a whole multitude of problems at Arsenal right now. Um, with the star players like Aubameyang just not really performing, that he's not—it's not like he's being played out of position for the majority of his time. Um, they have—they've had this recurring problem with red cards. It—it it, it seems, and this is one of the few times I'm going to cite Piers Morgan, and possibly the first mm-hmm. time on this pod, and hopefully the last. But they—they they just aren't playing for the badge. The—the the players at Arsenal just don't care about the badge, and maybe that's it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've discussed this a lot recently about um, where Arsenal will end up this season. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I really don't think they'll get relegated. That, that, it just seems too like surreal to think about that. I think they'll probably finish around 12th place. I think the, the table, will, they will almost sort of correct themselves as, as the season goes on. They'll pick up enough um, results against the sort of lower half teams and you know they should be fine. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I feel like we're going to have this conversation almost every pod about how how they will do this season with every sort of negative result they have. Yeah, I, I think mean, they'll stay I, in. I, yeah, I don't think I'd agree with both and you. I don't think I don't think they'll go down. Um, I, I think they'll come like anywhere between tenth and and fourteenth. I think I think in that in that region. But um, you know, it does set the club back. You know. But Arteta was a great hope. He won the FA Cup. I mean, I honestly don't. Having said that, right about them not going down, like I think that's partly just because I can't imagine Arsenal Football Club as a club going down. But if you actually look at this objectively, and and Alan Shearer spoke about this briefly, you look at the players, you look at their effort, you look at the tactics, you look at their ability to create chances, you look at their fragility at the back, you look at their um, goalkeeper, you look at the desire of of most individuals. You know, barring people like Saka. And and Tierney, you really there have a 
have a squad that that if you remove the Arsenal name and the Arsenal badge, you would say I will be in a relegation fight this season. I thought that was a very interesting point because because if we're analysing Arsenal, we have to start we have to stop looking at them as if they're Arsenal. And if we actually want to examine their relegation prospects, I think you know we do actually have to attempt to kind of um, examine them objectively. And if we do that, do you think you do you get slightly more convinced that they might go down, Arjun? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I am trying to look at that, but I still think that they'll have enough quality players to get them out of this. And they have players who are in bad form, but they should hit form at the at the moments when they sh- that when they needed to. I think Callum said in the last pod that they will they will score goals at some point. They have players who can score goals, and you know they will just get they will just about manage to beat the the teams around them. They should manage to beat the teams around them, um, and get the requisite points to stay up. Um, I honestly don't think they'll be as low as they are come the end of the season. Um, I'm happy to be proved wrong, however, because it would be quite funny to see them. It would be extremely funny. No, it would be extremely funny. Well, I, I, on, on, I don't know. I, I still struggle to see Arsenal go down either under the objective analysis. I mean, there's just names like Obama, Yang, Beller, and, and I mean, you know, laugh at David Lewis, but he has his good games and he's got <laughs> he's got a lot of experience. It it just makes no sense to me um, that those names would be one that are in a relegation. I mean, what? I can't remember. I can't quite remember how many goals Aubameyang scored last season. He, I don't think he he didn't win the Golden Boot, but he did. He did win it the season before, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, but that's, any, at that's the same a quick time, decline, like, isn't it? He's been on. He's been on like quite a rough run as well. Absolutely, but it's just um, it's not a name that you'd expect to see in a in a relegation fight. No, true, true. Um, but nor is Arsenal Football Club, and yet here we are. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, no, no, thank you. That's that's some detailed analysis. Um. Yeah, so another game we can talk about um, briefly is, well, just kind of more broadly, actually, is kind of looking at Sheffield United. They managed to get another point this season, Arjun, doubling their points total for the entire season. Yeah, um, what can say, can, can say they've done that this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, they drew against Brighton away from home. Um, you know, Brighton getting a sort of late equaliser against Sheffield United, who who I think John Lundstrom got sent off. Um, I mean... Brighton have been quite poor this season. Like, I, I think they'll get dragged into it, uh, the relegation fight this season, because they can't convert their chances at all. Um, they're really poor. Um, they've Their strikers are very average. Neil Morpay, Aaron Connolly, they just can't convert the chances. I think they'll, I think in terms of XG, um, expected goals, they would be fifth in the table right now um, if all if the, if every single game this season was played out um, you know, in, like in the simulation of XG, they'll be fifth. That shows how sort of... How, how well they are playing, but just how badly they're converting their chances. And I think because of that, if, if that sort of extrapolates over the entire season, they could finish in the relegation uh, places. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Um, you know, I think yeah. Graham Potter's quite a good, astute manager. Um, but I think Lawrence was saying in the last pod, like, is he too nice a guy? He sort of reminds me of like Southgate Light in that I don't think he has like, he, he can get a team who's in a relegation fight out of it. You know, last season, well, every time Bryce would be in the Premier League, they've sort of coasted along, you know, lower mid table never really being in much too much danger you know like you know in like in the last two weeks and you know i don't know if they get dragged into relegation fight will they be able to do it this time um yeah, yeah. as for um, Sheffield United, they're down anyway they're doomed yeah yeah no, fair enough um talk about then our uh, man city um and um then the birmingham derby but firstly man city played southampton Boti, what did you make of this game? It seemed like on paper quite a challenging game for Man City. Southampton been playing very well. They were, you know, challenging for top sport, top four spot in the last couple of game weeks. Uh, Man City 
um, but saw them off reasonably comfortably, though. Well, uh, actually, I, I thought that uh, it trans that the difficulty on paper translated to the to the pitch. Okay. Um, you know, Southampton were looking dangerous. I think they had a couple of arguable penalties that they weren't given. With um, Danny Ings getting tripped, is pro probably it, w it wasn't a, a, a penalty, and the the handball um, that came a bit later. I think that's that's more debatable. It's certainly one that we've seen given multiple times. Yeah, I mean, C City obviously had the upper hand um, mm. in that they are Manchester City. They were pressing forwards. De Bruyne handed out a nice assist to Sterling and he could have had about three more assists uh, if it wasn't for his wasteful teammates. Uh, you know, it's it's that time of the week when I feel sorry for Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> that Aguero isn't there to, to tap them all in for him. But um, <laughs> I, I think I think it, show, it shows a bit of resolve from Manchester City that they came through in this tough game. They will be there. They'll be hanging around second place i think this season probably probably will end up will end up there as well um mm. but again it just it, for me it highlights what a great team southampton is this season um i think they they deserve probably a point from the game and um they're struggling with their own injuries now and danny ings having to come off injured again uh, which is a real shame because he's he's one of my favorite players in the premier league mm -hmm. and then um Arjun, what did you make of kind of uh, the a Villa game? Yeah, West Brom capitulating at home to Villa 3-0. Um, I think everyone was sort of foolish to expect that Sam and Rice would be able to, you know, get results out of this West Brom team immediately. Um, but, you know, Villa playing well, they seem to always do well on a Sunday night. Um, and I think, you know, goals from El Ghazi, Traore, and someone else I can't remember right now, um, you know, set, set, set Villa on the way. And yeah, I wonder whether West Brom will be able to get out of this. I mean, they have the manager, do they have the players? I'm not sure um, whether they can do this. Um, but no, good result for Villa overall. I have just one thing to add to uh, this derby game is that we, we were often on on the podcast slating the mistakes of VAR. But one of the one of the things that I really like about VAR is the the fact that it looks back at some fouls and it assesses whether there was a serious foul a serious serious foul play and there was one uh one moment around the 20th minute when livermore gave an absolute in my opinion absolutely horrific challenge on Grealish, and you got away with a yellow card from the referee the game was stopped they looked at it in var and it was upgraded to a red card which i was happy to see because it it's one of those it was one of those challenges that you just don't want to see happen on the on the field whether it's a derby or not you know just, it, i don't think that should be in football and uh, this is going back to that podcast we had when van dyke was was brutally assaulted by pickford in ashwin's words um it, it's one of those things where var should go back and have a look yeah. um just just as a fun fact as well i think that's the fourth red card off jack Grealish. so he's uh yeah many red cards being given off him <laughs> Uh, and for, for the benefit of those listening, we've just put a, a new poll on our. I uh, just tweeted out a new poll, so we've got a new Twitter account. Um, please follow it. It's at the at Pod Symposium on Twitter. Um, we'll make an Insta post about it to lead you there if you still don't know where to find it. But we just tweeted out a poll on who you think Liverpool's lit, uh, best, uh, biggest title challengers are out of the top six teams. So out of City, United, Chelsea, and Spurs. Um, and we will do another poll to account for um, Leicester and, and Everton. 
but you can only do four options on a Twitter poll, so we couldn't put them in. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, please go have a vote um, and let us know your thoughts. It expires um, one day, so it'll expire at about 3 p.m. on the 23rd of December. So yeah, do have a vote, uh, comment, whatever, tweet us, let us know what your thoughts are, let us know any ideas or pods, do let us know. Um, and that leads us a nice uh, break to move on to Boti, who's just going to take us in a couple of minutes through the uh, La Liga title race, later round of fixtures, and how the two uh, Casco clubs are doing. Absolutely. Um, well, the title race is looking more and more favourable to Atletico Madrid every single week, and every single week it's a, it's it's a punch to Barcelona's stomach. It's really a shame on our on our leadership. We sold Luis Suarez for for peanuts and. In nine games in the league, he scored seven goals, got one assist. He was the one who fired Atletico to a 3-1 victory against Elche this weekend. Shortly after, Barcelona dropped even more points. 2-2 uh, against Valencia, perhaps the only redeeming moment of this match that made uh, Barcelona fans happy was Messi scoring his 643rd goal for Barcelona, which ties him with Pelé as the top scorer for one single club. Um that was an interesting goal, actually, because Messi missed the penalty that he was given. Uh, the The keeper saved it, punched it out straight towards Jordi Alba, who crossed the ball back in, and Messi managed to scrap it home with a header from about 50 centimetres out. But, of course, Messi did that absolutely deliberately because he wanted to make sure that the 643rd goal was scored in open play. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Valencia is one of those teams that seems to perform awfully against every other team and then always uh, puts a great performance in against Barcelona. And it's certainly been our bogey team in the last few seasons, having beaten us in the Copa del Rey final and often stripped us of multiple points uh, every season in the last three or four seasons. Um, in other news, Real Sociedad, who were top of the table, had lost to Barcelona uh, midweek, had lost again to Levante this time 2-1. Sevilla, again, is one of those teams that I always say seems to play fabulous football against the top the top few and then loses points against the bottom few like Real Valladolid. They drew 1-1 this weekend. And um, finally, Real Madrid, a comfortable victory at Eibar, uh, winning 3-1. Um, so, to me... This isn't the most interesting La Liga season. It looks like Atletico Madrid will have a relatively comfortable win unless they have some serious dip in form. Um, I think they're, they're eight points ahead of Barcelona and a game in hand. So I think that we can feel free to count that as 11. And um, they're, they're tied on points with Real Madrid, but they have two games um, in hand on Real Madrid. So... Not not the most exciting La Liga season. Um, well, not for me as a Barcelona fan anyway. If you're an Atletico Madrid fan, you'll be loving it. That's that's my uh, weekly update for La Liga. Thanks, <laughs> Jeff. Thank you. Um, and wait, Brady, before I move on to Argent, take us through Serie A, um, what's going on with Valencia? Because they were having a bit of a mad one. Well, they still are. <laughs> it's another season when, when they are they are having a mad one. Um, I mean, the, they're really just a... Very few, I think three or four points from relegation zone. So, uh, actually, I was, I was just looking at the table, they're actually just one point above a uh, 18th place Real Valladolid, but uh, four points above West Gernosa Sooner. 
So, yeah, it's it's like the Premier League this year. The uh, La Liga table is very congested. So, one one or two good weeks can take you from can take you up or down about ten to fifteen positions. But um, look, like like Arsenal, I think Valencia has enough big names in their team, and they've got enough pedigree to to not not have any problems. There were, I think, it's safe to say that they won't be playing any European football next season unless they have some serious changes and go on a really strong run yeah okay thank you um arjun um could you please take us through uh similarly the syria title race how's that shaping up the milan clubs juve how's it going yeah i mean milan are really surprising everyone this season by establishing themselves at the top of the table they're undefeated um they're, they're one point ahead of inter milan who have sort of won their last six games in a row i think in the league um, but it's the you know Milan powered by Ibrahimovic, powered by the likes of Frank Kessier, Teo Hernandez. They're playing really well, and you know they're Ibrahim trying. Benjamin Button, well. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, he he's yeah he's he's quite indomitable. Like he just does it every every season, and he you know he is one of the greatest strikers of this sort of decade, last two decades, I guess. Um, you know Juventus are struggling a little bit. They they they're unbeaten, but they've drawn six of their thirteen games. But I think they're sort of coming coming together. They're gelling well together now under Andrea Pirlo. Ronaldo scoring uh, quite often. Um, you know, he got two penalties um, the other the other um, week, the other game rather against Parma, um, and also penalties scored for scoring again in, in for fun in the Champions League. Um, you have Roma as well, who is sort of doing well. They're fourth. They've lost three games this season, but one of them was sort of a three 0 loss um, due to like they were awarded the three 0 loss due to like coronavirus cases against Verona. Um, Atlanta are sort of um, flattering to deceive uh, slightly. They're scoring goals for fun as usual, but they're languishing, I think, seven, in seventh place, um, primarily because they had a game um, against Udinese cancelled two weeks ago because of like heavy, heavy rain rather than like coronavirus testing or anything. Um, but no, the top four races is exciting. You have Milan, Inter, Juve and Roma also doing well. Napoli as well are scoring for fun, but are losing uh, lots of games. I think they've lost five out of 13 games. And in terms of teams like such as Valencia, who, you know, you wouldn't expect to be near the bottom. Uh, you have Fiorentina, who are 16th and, you know, doing quite poorly. You know, they have an ageing, I think, 38-year-old Frank Ribery in their team. Um, they've only won twice this season. They're, they're quite poor. They're only three points ahead of 18th place. Um, you know, they, they could be a surprise team to go down as well because they're not doing well at all. Um, but, yeah, um, in, in, in terms of the top four race, it's quite exciting this season. I personally, I don't think Milan will sort of, stay um top i think juventus are gathering like inevitable momentum and you know inter milan are doing well as well scoring for fun so i think it'll be between inter and juve um at the end of the season but it's it's quite nice to see milan sort of competing um at the top and i hope that they get top four by the end of the season because it would be good to see them back in the champions league where they arguably belong mm. yeah i mean as someone who follows into it's not best to see it's it's not like ideal to see Milan at the top but again I have to admit it's very nice to see the Milan clubs challenging for the title again they've been languishing outside the Champions League spaces often for the last 15 years or so 10 to 15 years so it's really nice to see them kind of back up there and um, into putting a bit of a run together as I say after a bit of a shaking unpredictable start so hopefully from my perspective they can carry that on but no thank you to both of you and now it's time to do a quick preview before we finish of the um, League Cup games happening in midweek back in England. So the first one, uh, one that's most interesting to me is Arsenal against Man City. Just spoken about Arsenal, their struggles in the league, potentially being relegation fodder, um, and against a Man City team that has outstanding quality, but 
has also been struggling to put a few games together and, and some performances and see off teams like West Brom. Boti, what do you think of uh, this game and how it will shape up? City are very, very strong in the League Cup normally. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident here that this will end up in a Manchester City victory. Um, it it could be a it could be a messy game. It could be one where City runs away with it that I'm I'm unsure of. But at the end, uh, the the difference will be in City's favour. I'm I'm also expecting an Arsenal red card. <laughs> um, mark these down, and um, yeah, I I I think uh, Pep will come away happy tonight. And that's that's all I can say on this on this prediction. Mm. I think I think Arteta, like when it's not a Premier League game, isn't too bad. I mean, obviously last season, you know, beating um, City and Chelsea in the FA Cup, knocking out Liverpool in the, in the League Cup this season, obviously winning the um, Community Shield as well. Uh, you know he's done well in domestic cups, but I think this is a sort of a step too far for him. I think the way they're playing won't be enough to sort of overturn this sort of domestic success that they've had under under Arteta. And I think that City yeah, will run run away with it, and it could be quite a mauling by City, um, which you know will be nice to see, I guess. Mm. <laughs> so I mean, I, I hope there's a bit of a nicer. I hope that I hope Arsenal. The thing I, I wouldn't mind if Arsenal got relegated, but I kind of want them to. <laughs> To at least beat City in the League Cup because it would just be massively amusing. Because Pep's kind of have relied on a nice guaranteed trophy every. I think he's pretty much won it every season, hasn't he? The League Cup. So, you know, that's that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, okay, and then the other big game is Everton Man United. Both teams are forming very well. Man United, as we said, kind of sliding up top of the sliding near the top of the table, kind of undetected. Everton um, again putting in a couple of good performances. They beat Leicester and, and now they beat an Arsenal. Um, how do you see this one shaping up, Boti? Oh, a fantastic game! I think this this is the most exciting one for me because they're both they're both teams that can um, that can be anything between zero and hero. Um, it, it really depends on the it really depends on the effort that the players bring to the game. I mean, uh, if if either side goes all out, they both have the capacity to win. Um, this game has the capacity to have many goals. Similarly, it can also be a it could be a strong defensive show from both sides. Um, yeah, I'm I'm expecting to see some of my favourite players, uh, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Bruno, putting in good performances. I, I can't predict who's going to win this one. Mm, OK. Um, and Arjun? Yeah, I mean, it should be a good game. Yeah, I agree with both of you. It's the most interesting midweek uh, cup fixture. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see either, either team come away with, with the win and, and progress to the semi-finals, to be honest. I mean, it's quite hard to call this sort of game considering it's a you know, one-off cup game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm going for a United away win here. Um, but I, th- I don't think if they do lose, I don't think Ancelotti and Everton will be too disappointed. However, of course, they've had this sort of infamous trophy drought for so long. You know, they are arguably the biggest team who hasn't won a trophy um, in the 2000s, so you know, it'd be interesting to see yeah. um, what the reaction will be like if they do progress. You know, then there will be one game away from the final. So let's see what happens there. I think for me, like it'll be interesting to see Brentford against Newcastle because obviously Brentford, are one of two championship teams left in, in the in the cup, they're doing quite well in the championship. They've had their best ever start. They're unbeaten in 14 games, um, taking on the Newcastle team, who again have sort of flattered to see they're sort of pulling results out of nowhere, but are playing dreadfully. You know, I, I, the general consensus is that the fans despise Steve Bruce's style of football. He's quite a negative dial manager. Um, and, you know, if he loses in the cup to, you know, let's face it, you know, as good as they are, it, it'll be a, 
you know, Brentford are like a lowly team compared to Newcastle, you know, it would be, you know, another sort of nail in the coffin for Steve Bruce. And, you know, given like Everton, they're sort of in this sort of desperate trophy drought, it is a competition that they want to sort of go further in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that should be good. But I feel like Brentford should be able to pull it out the bag and, and progress in the semis, which would be quite nice to see. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Boti Stoke playing Spurs. Um, can Spurs, you know, end the couple of uh, losses that they're having on the bounce and and recover and you know get into a semi final with the hopes of an, an elusive trophy on the hand? Well, you you know, after uh, the the Liverpool game was really just the warm up for what the real challenge is: is whether <laughs> Tottenham can do it on a, a cold and rainy night on Christmas Eve Eve in Stoke. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this isn't going to be a pretty game, especially if Tottenham don't bring the uh, bring their attacking football with uh, Son and Kane. That this this absolutely will not be one. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be fans will enjoy. If it's just anti football against anti football, it'll just they'll just stop playing football. I assume it gets so anti football. Yeah, yeah remember this. Each other out, it will become a beautiful flowing game of ticking. Oh, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, I hope so. But remember, this is a game that. Um, Mourinho absolutely can't afford to lose, um, especially coming off of uh, yeah. this poor week. So e- expect some some prime bus parking going on at Tottenham. They'll mm. probably go. I expect them to play off the counter, and you know, well, I don't really know what Stoke does apart from just digging. Also, so uh, this isn't going to be a pretty one, but. We'll we'll see. I, I'm <laughs> I, I want my mind to be changed. Also, I'm I'm predicting a Tottenham victory. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think I think we all are, but I mean, it would just probably be quite ugly. <laughs> but yeah. Nevertheless. Um. Yeah. Arjun. Yeah. No. The interesting thing with also the League Cup is that it was announced yesterday that the final will be moved to April instead of February, the usual February slot, with the hope that fans will be in attendance at Wembley uh, come the final. Um, whether that's too optimistic, I don't know. I think I think it might be a bit pointless. I'm not sure whether that you'll be able, whether fans will be allowed back in like at full capacity. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, I don't know. By by April, I've no idea. I, I think it obviously just depends on the vaccine rollout. They accelerate it. I saw in the Times that they said that over 60s might be vaccinated by the end of April, and then I don't know if that accounts if that's the second vaccine or the first one, just because you have to have two. I think 28 days apart or something. Um, so it just depends on that, I suppose, Boti. Yeah, it's um, it's ambitious. Realistically, the more and more um, I, I think about this, I, I realise that uh, this coronavirus thing is uh, it's going to affect us for a couple more years to come in some yeah. shape or form. No, and no, I think I agree. But I mean, we kind of spoke before the pod started that I think the they might be aiming for like the England Scotland game in the Euros at Wembley to be when they can open up fully, just because it will be like a good kind of national moment, I suppose. Like football bringing everyone together, kind of classic cliches, but I suppose it can it can apply quite nicely. And I think that's in July from memory. No, it'll so be, that, yeah, no, it'll be mid June. Mid June, right? But that might be a better bet than April for the League Cup final, I suppose. Certainly, yeah. If yeah. not the League Cup final, this like massive, significant national moment, is it? No, no but I think an England versus Scotland game in a competitive summer international tournament like that is a, that is a good time to open up stadiums to full capacity if they haven't done it already. Obviously, mm. I'd like them open before if they can, but but if they haven't, then that would be I think that might be a nice date to aim for. But no, thank you to both of you for all that. We covered a lot of material there. We covered the Premier League games. We previewed pretty much the title races and reviewed the title races in La Liga and Serie A as well. And as well as previewing the upcoming League Cup games, 
Um, so that was a, a very detailed and comprehensive pod. Boti? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I enjoyed that. Uh, cheers. cheers, Arjun? Yeah, no, uh, thanks for being on. I'm, I'm looking forward to start the NBA tonight. I've been swatting yeah. up on, on like all the team previews on The Athletic the last yeah. day or so, and yeah, it should be good. Yeah, that should be good. And um, yeah, just a just reminder that we are now on Twitter. So follow us on Twitter, comment, at us, whatever you want. Give us some ideas um, at Pod Symposium. We'll do an Insta post about it so you have no excuse not to do so. And if you do enjoy these pods, please do comment below on the um, Instagram or, or on Twitter and just let us know and give us feedback. And we'd love to, to improve if, if, if that's what you think we need to do. But cheers. Thank you so much, guys. And speak to you later next time on Compo Castle Kids. Cheers.